in a world where jobs are how most people make money. One man, one desire, one challenge dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money. Money works for us. Coming soon, viewer discretion advised. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where cash flow is king. Real estate investing, the means, so you can enjoy your retirement dreams. This is the show where we cut right to the chase. No sales pitch, no long monologues, just simple how-to real estate investing advice, so you can earn the passive income you need to enjoy your retirement today. And now, your host and chief old dog, Bill Manassero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host, Bill Manassero, and this is a show where 50-plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no-sales-pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays, and if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dogs, spelled D-A-W-G-S, find our podcast, and subscribe. Well, we got a great guest for you here. Uh, it's a, a guy who is, uh, man, he's just gung ho. He is uh, not only is he uh, a, a proud member of uh, the service and has uh, given his life for our country and uh, as a member of the U.S. Army, but uh, he is continuing to help other veterans. And let me tell you a little bit about him. His name is Joe Riley. And as a captain in the U.S. Army, Joe Riley has had multiple overseas deployments and previously served on the National Security Council at the White House. Joe is also the founder of Patriot Family Homes, a company that meets the need for short-term housing near military bases. They are a veteran-owned and operated company transforming the short-term vacation rental industry by bringing professional management to small towns and big cities alike. They are uniquely positioned to partner with passive real estate investors looking to access short-term rentals cash flow without all the headaches of managing them. Well, Joe, welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. Thanks so much. So glad to be here. And I also want to Thank you for your service as well. Uh, man, it sounds like you've uh, been uh, doing some great things. Well, I tell all the taxpayers uh, that I appreciate my salary. <laughs> Put food on my table for a little while. <laughs> uh, that, that's awesome. Well, uh, this uh, sounded so interesting when I first heard about it. And, um, you know, I've been involved in Airbnb for years and some, uh, you know, so I know short term, I know long term um, rental. and uh, But I didn't really even think of gosh this 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 need for housing for military families that sometimes just have to get up and go give us your background where you're from and uh how you got into real estate uh you know and in the service and so forth absolutely um so as we were talking uh i'm from a little town in uh, east tennessee uh next to the mountains and uh yeah went to uva for undergrad and uh on an rtc scholarship and then 
uh, uh, you know, did the army stuff afterwards. I actually went over to Oxford in the UK, uh, where I did a master's and PhD in international relations, and then came back and started on the kind of cycle of uh, army moves every 12 months. My wife and I did, and so I think we moved seven or eight times in seven years. Um, and on one of my deployments, um, Rachel travels for work Monday through Friday, so we just decided to throw our house up on Airbnb. Uh, and see how it would do. We were stationed down at Fort Benning in Columbus, Georgia at the time, and it took off and realized, you know, no surprise in hindsight, there's a huge need for furnished temporary housing around military bases with families kind of constantly going around and in case of Fort Benning coming in for basic training, graduation and airborne and ranger school and all the other good stuff. Uh, so came back and started getting a couple more houses, uh, still going well and uh, took out my first big loan. Uh, and as soon as I did and we closed on the houses, the Army said, surprise, you're going to Ukraine. Oh, man. <laughs> so I thought, this is how I go bankrupt, because how am I going to manage these uh, you know, very operationally intensive short-term rental properties from a shipping container in rural Ukraine? Um, luckily, one of the guys I was deploying with, his uh, wife, uh, who'd actually been a West Point grad herself, and then now an army spouse said, look, you know, I'm staying behind and I'll take care of the place. And that really kind of unlocked what has been our secret sauce of relying on military spouses, now also veterans, but predominantly military spouses to kind of manage our markets. You know, mill spouses need, uh, you know, portable, flexible employment that kind of allows them to move around and raise their families and still contribute. And so they've got a great community uh, on the team there. The Marine Corps has kind of taken over. We started out as this great army organization and this, you know, a couple of Marine Corps spouses infiltrated the ranks and have just completely, you know, taken over the show. Oh man. <laughs> but so we've, yeah, we've grown. And so we went, you know, basically we kind of moved from base to base as we would move around, uh, and would add new houses. And then, you know, realized, you know, that it was not just military bases, you know, it's also university towns. We were in Columbia, South Carolina, which has a great base there at Fort Jackson, but also has, you know, obviously the University of South Carolina and picked up a lot of university traffic. And then we were in another town that had a lot of, uh, you know, kind of blue collar tourism in Savannah, Georgia, where the first ranger uh, battalion is, but then, you know, a lot of people come down there for tourism. So we then just kind of spread out from there. And so now we run from Pennsylvania up in the Poconos all the way down to Texas and most of the kind of along the way in between. Uh, and we, you know, own, manage, and lease in an arbitrage model, a mixture of uh, predominantly single family, but also some smaller multifamily properties uh, that we run as short-term rentals. And, you know, I tell people the difference between what we do, we say we're the Walmart of short-term rentals, right? <laughs> We're not the million-dollar beach home, though we, we do absolutely manage, you know, some very nicer properties. But in terms of what we own in our own portfolios, it's more kind of, you know, run-of-the-mill houses that cater to, you know, families traveling on a budget, groups of plumbers or electricians traveling around who need, a you know, temporary accommodations. And it's more affordable to do that than staying in a bunch of hotel rooms. Um, so, yeah, we that's, that's what we say. We're nothing— Nothing fancy schmancy, uh, but we think we provide a you know a great service to people who need you know uh, kind of affordable accommodations, and we offer a great uh, return on you know you know you know we find that our owners get a great return on investment. We tell people we target hotel style cap rates with a single family backstop, 
uh, is the kind of way that we describe what we do. Mm, wow. That's a, that's a pretty amazing story there. Um, uh, maybe you can give me a little background here because I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, wasn't in the military and don't have a military background or family with housing for, um, for you know, soldiers coming in and their families. Uh, on base, I mean, there's housing that's provided. Is that correct? Yes. So depending on the base you're at, they may have a lot of on post housing or very little on post housing. Um, and then it's always the service members. I should, the, the service member always has the choice to live off post. Um, sometimes they have to live off post just because there's not adequate on post housing. So if, if you show up, you know, if you're moving from, you know, Fort Lewis out in Seattle, Washington down to, you know, Fort Bragg in North Carolina and you show up and then you need a place to stay for a little while while you're waiting for your own post permanent on post housing to come available or you're going to live off post and you're waiting to close on a new house and you've got a couple of weeks, uh, you know, before the house closes. Those are the kind of families that in that kind of temporary flex space. And then the military does a lot of what we call TDY, temporary duty travel. So soldier stationed at Fort Benning, training at Fort Bragg, needs a place to stay. Um, so, yeah, kind of a, a mix of different things. And then just families coming in to visit you know, for the holidays or particularly around training bases, you know, these are big life moments when a service member graduates from basic training or from airborne school. And so you see, you know, not just parents, but siblings and grandparents and aunts and uncles and, you know, big families travel for these big moments and, uh, you know, much more affordable for them to do it in a house as opposed to a bunch of hotel rooms. And then, you know, they've got a kitchen that's fully furnished. So mom can cook a you know, great meal for the family um, so that's a little bit of kind of what we're targeting, at least around military bases. Gotcha. So the, the on-base housing, is that, I mean, provided at no cost to, uh, you know, the, the folks that stay there? Um, or is it, um, you know, is, it's, is it handled by like per diem or how is, how is that, uh, taken care of? So, um, for your permanent housing in the military, you, if you're staying on post, then yes, that's, you know, that's covered. You don't, pay anything for that. If you go off post, then the uh, military gives you what they call a, a, basically a housing allowance of a certain amount of money. Um, inside the U.S., that's a, uh, you know, it, it, say your stipend is $1,800 a month and you only spend $1,000 a month, then you get to keep the extra $800. Um, so that's how it works if you go off post. And that can be used to pay rent or if you buy your own home to pay mortgage, utilities, you know, tax, you know, whatever you want to, it's just a supplemental, uh, stipend that you receive. Gotcha. So, so your pricing for the most part would, uh, you know, have to fall into that. Not necessarily because we're not providing long-term accommodations, right? We're providing temporary furnished utilities included. So again, most, all of our properties are on Airbnb and VRBO, just like what you would think about in a vacation market. Um, and then we have our own website and our own direct channels, but no, we would not be, you know, the, so in a temporary status in the army gives you, or the military gives you a separate, uh, per diem, as you were mentioning in a, in a, in a temporary housing stipend that's higher than what the short, the long-term permanent housing stipend would be. And so what's sort of the average stay for that? Uh, our length of stays are really bimodal between the like weekend, three, four day stays Let's call it tri, tri, trimodal, uh, like a weekend, you know, two, three day stay, 
then you have like this group that are kind of waiting in a shorter term status on like a seven day, let's call it seven day, two week time horizon. And then we actually do a lot of insurance work. So let's say your house burns down or has water damage or something like that. The insurance company has to pay to put you up. Insurance companies are pretty price insensitive. So, you know, in those instances, you know, you're usually getting five, $6,000 a month um, for, you know, a $200,000 house. Um, and, you know, they may stay for three, four months, five months, something like that. It sounds like you've also broadened out sort of beyond military in some areas. Um, would you say what, what percentage of your actual uh, guests or, or, you know, tenants, however you want to refer to them, um, uh, what percentage are strictly military? So it's going to be very market dependent. So in a place like Columbus, Georgia or, or Clarksville, Fort Campbell, you know, I'd say we're like 75, 70, 75 plus percent some connection to the military. They may be a contractor coming in to do a job for the military. So maybe a civilian working for the military or family or something like that in a non-military market in a kind of what we would call our kind of blue collar, uh, vacation destination sites. That's, you know, probably maybe 10, 10, 15%, uh, military. So very market dependent. Gotcha. Um, you, you mentioned that, uh, the, the military wives in a lot of cases are sort of doing the back end is, is that, is that just cleaning, uh, you know, sort of, uh, turnovers or is that also the, the management, you know, dealing with the, you know, the inquiries and, and, um, you know, sign-ins, uh, you know, check-ins, check-outs and so forth. Yeah. So kind of across the board, everything from, our head of acquisitions is a, you know, or director of acquisitions is a military spouse, um, all the way down to, you know, some cleaners are definitely military spouses. Some of our handy, uh, handy, you know, maintenance style folks are from military families. And then basically all of our, what we would call guest communications or reservation specialists who work on that piece of it are all military spouses. Wow. So that's a, that's a pretty, um, I mean, their back end is, is covering everything. I mean, that, that, uh, that it's gotta be nice for you because it frees you up from, you know, to be able to look at the bigger picture and, and growth and, and funding and all the other areas where you, I'm sure you direct your energy. Um, but, uh, it, it that, that, that seems like it's also a huge operation. Oh yeah, I mean, so we've got about fifty. We've got about fifty employees. Wow! And we quadrupled four, four or five decks in size last year, uh, and looking on a on a path for a similar trajectory for twenty twenty two. So yeah, we've got a pretty big team. We have our own warehouses uh, where we store all of our furniture. Uh, so we get furniture from two places. So we, you know, in addition to just managing the homes, we're a full, you know, soup to nuts operation. So most of our, we, we do, we take a lot of people if they have an individual home who they bring us a home that maybe it's already set up or it's a long-term rental, they want to convert it to a short-term rental. But we also work with larger investors who may want to put 10, $20 million to work. And for those investors, you know, they're coming in, we identify the markets, we go out, find the homes, close on the homes. We have an in-house renovation oversight team. We have our own warehouses where we store all the furniture. So then after it's renovated, we'll load up trucks, send them down there, fully furnish the home, and then, uh, you know, manage the home on the, on the back end on a, on a kind of go forward basis. 
Um, so, you know, we get our furniture from, we work with hotel liquidators. So let's say a Marriott's changing out their line, you know, we'll send in trucks and, you know, pick up all of the furniture and stuff. And then my grandfather and, uh, Bill, you'll like this just in Etowah has a great, uh, Christian training center for men leaving prison or recovering from drug and alcohol addiction. Wow. And so we've built them a wood shop and one of the skills they learn while they're there is they learn woodworking. And so we support that ministry by having them build a lot of the furniture that we put in our homes. That's um, neat. Wow. So, so yeah, so it, it's a pretty, it, it's a very expansive, uh, logistical nightmare, uh, of an operation. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, uh, that's what the military is good at is, uh, taking on large logistical challenges. Exactly. Uh, and, and then you've already got the mindset, right? And so it, uh, it, that I can see that being, I mean, I've got like five, you know, or, or actually I guess we're up to six properties, um, you know, that we're managing and it drives me crazy. <laughs> I can't imagine how many, how many different properties do you have? We got about 350 oh, right oh now. Oh my goodness. Um, targeting to be at a thousand by the end of the year. So that's amazing, Joe. Wow. That is just, <laughs> that is just amazing. Wow. Um, so that is, a, that, that is a big operation. And, uh, uh, do you, are you encountering, especially in the more heavily tourist areas, you know, some, uh, issues where they're not allowing, uh, short-term rentals or Airbnb? Yeah. You, I mean, you have, um, I'd actually say it's less than the vacation area. I mean, like, Less in the vacation areas and then more so in some of your kind of cities um, okay. that have some tougher, regu- you know, or exploring tougher regulations on the short-term rental market. Uh, if you look at a footprint of our markets, we are in uh, tr- typically more red states where even if they ha- local governments are doing some things, oftentimes the state legislature you know, has various right to rent laws and so forth that, you know, minimize the extent to which a local government can just come in and say, you can't do this. That said, you know, uh, regulations are always something that we're having to kind of, you know, we've got a whole team in house that does nothing but licensing and permitting. Wow. Um, wow. And, uh, it is a, it's a, you know, some, some places super simple, no, uh, no challenges, very easy, may not even have to have a permit. Other places, it is a, you know, extremely involved process to get your permit. Right. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that you, you've taken on a, a huge, huge effort. You also mentioned arbitrage, too. Um, are, so you're going into, uh, you're helping people that have existing properties, Um with, uh, you know, filling them up with the people that are fed from, from your machine, so to speak. So we will do, uh, so if, if we, when we work with other property owners, one of two models, either one, we can just come in and manage and they just pay us a management fee to, to do that. And we offer two management packages. We offer a full service and then a digital only package. Um, the digital only package is available anywhere. So you could reach up and say, I'm in Lake Tahoe and I won't, help with my, and we'll do the digital management anywhere for the full service. It either has to be within our existing geographic footprint, or we say you have to have five with a pathway to 10, uh, for us to be able to justify like putting, starting to put together the on the ground infrastructure, uh, 
um, you know, to, to, to manage the thing, you know, the full scale operations, including cleaners and maintenance and all of that. Um, so that's on the management side. The other option we do is we, we, we do run what we call a, you know, master lease or rental arbitrage model where we'll go to the landlord and say, give you a five year lease. Uh, sometimes three years, we like five years and, uh, you know, guarantee your rent each month. You don't have to worry about turnover. You know, we kind of take care of ourselves. Um, but then, you know, if so, if, if, if I'm paying $2,000 a month in rent and I only make $1,800 a month, then, you know, I lose 200 bucks. If I go out and make $6,000 and I make 4,000 bucks. Um, so that's the kind of two models, depending on how risk averse or acceptant, you know, or how much hands on versus wanting to be hands off uh, the, the property owner is. And in, in those cases, are they generally apartment buildings you're approaching or um, uh, hotels? How, how, do you, how do you do that? So we don't do hotels. Um, mm. We will do, you know, portions of apartment buildings. Um, uh, we'll do some kind of bed and breakfast style in type things. Um, and then just traditional single family. Gotcha. And your, and your digital service, is that more sort of the front desk function, you know, taking the calls, bookings, um, uh, you know, answering questions, obviously online or, you know, uh, via telephone. Does that team also coordinate the, the cleaning crews in these other areas? So um, what the digital only pa- so it pushes out across all the different platforms and channels and everything else that we have. We then manage all inquiries, booking, pricing, reservations, uh, calendar management, you know, making sure you don't have double bookings if you're on cross multiple platforms. So we handle all of basically everything until the guest shows up. And then from the time the guest hits the door, they're then the owner's responsibility. Um, so that's the kind of demarcation in terms of cleaning. You know, we don't find the cleaners. We don't train the cleaners. Uh, we're not responsible if the cleaners don't do a good job. But what we will do is we'll get them set, the cleaners set up with, a, you know, access to our, um, our software. And they can then, you know, see when a guest is coming and going and get notifications. And so in that sense, we help coordinate because we provide, a, you know, an ability for the cleaner to get the notifications. But if the cleaner shows up late or doesn't clean or does a bad job of cleaning or anything like that, you know, we're not at 10 o'clock at night when the guest shows up and is unhappy that there's, you know, hairs in the bed or, you know, pet fur on the couch or whatever it else might be, then we don't get involved there. That's between the owner and the cleaner and the guest. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. That's, uh, that is quite an operation. Um, uh, well, you know, how in the world okay okay you kind of told the story you had a house and and you rented it out and it went well and then you started adding other houses um what were what were some of the the mistakes that you encountered in the beginning and uh that you really learned from later on oh um so i mean we've learned a lot about kind of which types of properties do well versus not um, you know, the biggest lesson we learned on it was a mistake, but we just learned is that I think, again, I think people think Airbnb, huge house on the beach in Destin, right? Or 
amazing loft in downtown LA. Uh, and those are definitely Airbnbs, but you know, that's not the only type of Airbnb. So one of the biggest is learning how much of a need there is out there for, you know, what we call the kind of Walmart style, you know, of Airbnb, uh, of just functional, you know, economical accommodations and markets all around the country. Um, so that's one lesson learned. Um, and then the other one is, you know, you really have got to be on multiple platforms. You've got to be running smart pricing. Uh, you've got to be, you know, really kind of pushing to get, you know, turnover faster, you know, don't have like a couple day blocks between stays. Um, and to do that, you know, you've kind of got to have a, an operational infrastructure, you know, I was about burnout. I, my wife and I, we did our first, I guess we had like five, six, you know, as I mentioned, and then I was getting ready to deploy and I was like, this is a disaster, right? I mean, there's a problem every weekend. People are caught, you know, like it was like the opposite of passive income, right? Short-term rentals are not passive income. If you're running them to yourselves, right? They are a very active form of income. And so I basically had to decide that I want to give up the cash flow and go back to long-term rentals did I want to, you know, hire some other management company or just build my own? Uh, and so, you know, we just decided to build our own, uh, which I think was the right decisions. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes I ask myself, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, you, I think what most people will find is if you have one or two houses, particularly if you live in the local area, you can manage, you know, you can manage them yourselves. You may not be optimizing your revenue and, and everything else because you may not be quite, you know, not a knock, but you may just not be as sophisticated in pricing and some other things as what a larger scale operator is. But from an operation standpoint, you can operate it. You start getting up certainly to five or more than that. Somebody's doing it full time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's you, spouse, friend, you know, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I would say is to just recognize that short-term rentals are not passive income. If you hire a management company, they can be passive income, but if you're running them yourselves, they are not passive. Yeah, good point. Good point. And what about, would you say is sort of your biggest success, uh, since you got started? Uh, relying on military spouses. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Now tell me about that. So the, your typical military spouse, if there is such a thing, right? Um, don't they, I kind of picture them, you know, cause the most men are, are fairly younger. They're going to be younger kids, right? Um, that uh, they're going to be dealing with as well as, is that proposed, you know, uh, challenges there? We have everything from, uh, I mean, you know, we have several, I mean, we've got a couple of people who work for us that, you know, husbands were, you know, 20, 25 years in the service and either maybe still in or retired now. Uh, so they're obviously at a different point in life than, you know, but yes, to answer your question, I would say that, uh, you know, the majority of, of military spouses that work for us are in their kind of thirties. Um, I would, I would, I would guess as a general range. Um, so, you know, and, but again, you have everything from very young military spouse. Maybe they don't have kids yet all the way up through, you know, kids are already graduating out of the house. So, so you've got the range there. It's just, I, I know with, with short term, it's uh, I mean, yeah, you can have a, 
there are always changes you know, that you can, you have a schedule, but the schedules are always changing. Right. Oh, yes. And uh, so, you know, they've got to be able on a dime to be able to, you know, get to that place. And they've got that little, that little time frame to get it clean before the next person checks in. If you have the same day check-ins. Right. Yes. So um, um, yeah, it just, it, th- that seems like that'd be definitely, uh, you know, a, it could be a challenge, but you probably have backup people too. So you're, um, uh, covered, but you're in so many different markets. That's got to be really amazing to to be able to coordinate. We have sacrificed. I mean, there's no doubt that you know we could. We're in 27 different markets, I think now. You know, we could. You know, instead of having 300 plus 350 doors spread across 27 markets, you know, we'd be way better off if we had that same number of properties spread across seven or eight markets. You know. Uh, or even you know five or six markets, um, but we have intentionally been willing to spread ourselves thin because then when a capital partner comes to us and says, "Hey, I want to go put twenty million dollars to work," uh, it's very the biggest risk you have in short-term rentals, as you alluded to earlier, is regulatory risk. And so, if you put all of your houses in one market and they change the rules, you know, kind of between a rock and a hard place. Right. What we allow investors to do is to come and say, I want to put X amount of money to work and I want you to spread me out across your portfolio so that I get diversification and risk mitigation. Um, so, you know, we have intentionally uh, on the management company side, you know, sacrificed short term gains in order to put in place a more broad operational infrastructure that can absorb larger chunks of capital without having to concentrate an individual investor's risk into a single market. And, and what kind of return, I know it's hard to say, you know, in, in each situation, but what kind of a sort of average or range um, would an investor expect to, to see in, in an operation like this? Our existing cap rate is uh, on our current portfolios in the kind of low to mid-teens. Uh, for a cap rate. That's pretty good. Yeah. So in a single family, typically in single family rentals these days, you're seeing cap rates in the, you know, mid single digits, if not low single digits. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're, we're much higher on a cap rate, you know, you know, yeah. And that's, and then that's after you pay for, you know, account for the management fees and cleaning and utilities and lawn care and all the other stuff. Um, an analogy I give is like, I'll, I'll give it in the rental arbitrage context. So I can go out and get a, you know, let's say Birmingham, Alabama, I can get a run of the mill three, two house or something like that. in a, in a kind of transitioning neighborhood for thousand bucks a month in rent. And then I can turn around and do $3,500 a month on average as a short term rental. And I've probably got an extra, you know, $1,400 or so in expenses, so about $1,100 a month or so net benefit from it um, of short-term versus long-term. Step up to a $2,000 a month rental, and I can get six or 7000 So now I'm going to four or $5,000 spread. And then step up again to like a $3,000, $3,200 a month rental, and it's like $11,000 a month. Um, so the arbitrage is greater as you step up to 
nicer in most markets as you step up to larger and nicer properties because you know if you're looking to buy you know if you're look you know those bigger nicer properties often don't make sense for a long-term rental right because the cost basis in the asset is too high um and you know there's less of a market to rent those sort of properties on a long-term basis because the people who have the money to pay that in rent often buy their own home um, so that's a little bit of where the kind of arbitrage. So the, the, the best types of properties are those big, what we call like large houses and urban cores. Um, and then small multifamily, particularly like if, even if it's a main house and like a casita in the back or bungalow or mother-in-law suite, uh, because then you don't have two listings you have, or even one listing, you have three listings, right? You have the main house, you have the casita, and then you have the two together. The casita can go to traveling nurses and people are looking for longer term stays. The bigger house goes to, you know, you know, larger groups. So you touch multiple different points in the demand curve. And as a result, you can increase your average nightly rate substantially without having a, you know, comparable reduction in occupancy. Um, so those, those are then the second types of properties. And the other thing is institutional buyers, you know, the, the, the you know, the big guys who are, you know, they don't like, a lot of these more odd properties. So they kind of filter out in the kind of hyper bidding wars, particularly in some of your more prime markets. Right. Well, um, you've touched on it here, so maybe we'll dig a little bit deeper here. Um, you know, we have our our folks that are our target audience that are 50 years of age or older, and they're approaching retirement and already in retirement. And they're looking for opportunities. Um, uh, some of them might want to maybe buy some homes during military base. Uh, others, uh, you know, might be interested in the investment aspect of it. Um, what, what advice would you have for those folks? Yeah, I would, I, you know, I would say, you know, definitely understand the, well, the first thing I would say to somebody that's in that kind of older category is understand, is this a inve purely investment property or is it a property you might want to use yourself, right? Because, and it's, I think, very important to distinguish those two because, you know, you may say, I want to have a beach home in on Tybee Island. Uh, and if it makes some money, great. If it breaks even, great. But I want a beach house in Tybee because I want to go spend a part of the year there. That's one set of investment. And absolutely, when you're not using it, you should run it as a short-term rental and, you know, break even on cost or even make some money. Um, versus you just say, don't ever care if I go to this house, no interest in it other than the cash flow off of it. That's another sort of property. Um, typically, what I find is if you're wanting the best return on investment from the from a cash flow standpoint, are going to be, um, you know, in some sort of market that have we call it cheap real estate markets that have a lot of churn. So, you know, some of our markets we like Pensacola, Florida a lot, right? We're not in Destin. We like Pensacola. You got a Navy base there. You've still got the beach. You so you've got beach traffic, but it's not the destined prices to buy the property. Um, similar, you know, in Savannah, you know, where we go, Savannah is one of our other markets that we like a whole lot. We don't buy stuff out on Tybee. Typically we buy stuff like one Island or two back that's between downtown and Tybee and, you know, uh, the asset prices are a lot cheaper. So that's a little bit of an idea of kind of how we, how I would advise people to think about it is like, is this a property that you want to use for your own vacations and recreation? In which case, you know, there's a different set of considerations beyond just what the cash flow off of it is, or is this purely an investment property?
Great. Now, what about folks that are just interested in getting a good return on, you know, maybe they're investing their from their nest egg. Um, what are you looking at in terms of um, commitment uh, and, you know, what what kind of an investment um, are, are you looking at? You're asking what we would do if someone came to us and said, hey, I want to put $500,000 to work. How would we help them do that? Right. Yeah. So we would, you know, we would ask that first question that I asked you of, you know, is this something you want to use for yourself or only return? If only return, then what we have is basically a menu of properties that our underwriters are going through on a weekly basis. And, you know, we make that available to all of our different investors and they can just go off and pick one. You know, maybe they just they pick a house in Montgomery, Alabama, or they pick one in Mobile or they pick one in San Antonio, Texas or you know, and so they then have that flexibility to go in and kind of choose from the menu. And then we'll go out and close on the house, make an assignable contract, assign it to them, uh, and then kind of take it, take it from there. Um, if, you know, so that, that's kind of how we approach it is we ask people to come to us and let us know, you know, what are you looking to put to work? Is it going to be cash only? Or are you looking to lever? If you're looking for lever leverage, then, you know, depending on the state, we can connect you with a lender um, or, you know, bring your own kind of pre-qualification letter. And then we go to market with that and go out and buy the, 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 the number of homes or asset value that, that the investor's targeting. Now, let's say somebody comes to you, let's say they have a hundred thousand. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of house you could really get for a hundred thousand. That would be a, you know, that would fit the model you're talking about, but would you ever bring investors together and say, Hey, we'll get five guys with a hundred, um, on a property or something like that. We don't do syndications. Um, certainly I know a lot of other people do, you know, if some, if a group came to us and said, we've got this pool that we work with other people who we, we've got several investors who they had a kind of pre-existing group of friends that they'd already pooled together. And, you know, we, I think we bought them seven or eight different houses. Um, but we don't do the legal infrastructure of putting all of that together. Um, now, if you had $100,000 that you wanted to put to work and you're willing to you know, take out a loan even for only 50 or 60 percent, then you know, our average home cost base is about 220, 225. Oh, really? That low? Okay. Got yeah. So we are – I know out in California that may sound uh, – Shocking. Uh, oh, that's like a garage here. Not even a garage, <laughs> a driveway. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, in a lot of the tertiary and secondary markets where we operate, you can get a, you know, I'll put it this way. We have $150,000 houses that make $40,000 a year all day long, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, we, we target a minimum of 25% of the asset value and annual revenue. So $200,000 house, we want to make minimum $50,000 a year to look at it. Now, would that be a home that you guys would manage uh, like after your expenses or is that if they do the whole thing themselves? No, no, no. We, we, you know, we would, again, we'd provide full service management. Well, that's great. It's in one of our markets, you know? Yeah. So if somebody came to us and said, I got a hundred thousand dollar house. And I've got $100,000 that I want to put to work or even, you know, I've got $80,000 I want to put to work and I've got a pre-approval on a loan. You know, we would typically the furniture to go in the house is about $20,000. We tell people to make sure you set aside, you know, to be safe. It's assuming no reno, $25,000 and kind of set up and launch expenses, uh, furniture and stuff of that sort. Um, so, you know, let's say they say I've got $75,000. 
you know, we'd say, okay, $50,000 of that can go towards a down payment. You get a 75% loan to value loan. You can go buy a $200,000 house. Uh, you get your $25,000 left over for furniture and setup. And then, you know, we would manage it for them, you know, from there. Uh, and that'd be soup to nuts, right? I mean, everything. Soup to nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we, the majority of people who come to us say, you know, I had two today, I had a guy today call me and say he's got $600,000. He wants to put to work, doesn't care where, where the homes are, send him stuff. And, uh, you know, and that, and that's pretty typical of, of the folks that we work with. And you put like for your homes that you do have that you're underwriting and so forth, you put together you know sort of performa for that property, mm-hmm. what you expect it to to yield and and so forth. And is that something that's on your site that people can go to, or is that only after they've signed up with you? Yeah, that would only be kind of after they've signed up with us. I mean, if if, if somebody brought us an existing home, we could do a quick you know performa on it. Um, but if they want us to kind of start from scratch doing the underwriting and kind of get access to all of our, in, you know, inventory and stuff that our underwriters are pulling and, and, and running, then we, we ask them to sign up and we have two different agreements. We have a, you know, a kind of management agreement that covers all of the day-to-day management once the property's live. And then we have an acquisitions and setup agreement that basically is the covers for us to go and acquire, you know, if they want us to go out and find a home, acquire it, close on it for them, uh, oversee the renovation, set up all that stuff. Do you have uh, licensed brokers on your team that handle that or agents? So we always work with a local agent in whatever market. I'm a real estate agent myself, but I'm obviously Hmm. not licensed in all the states where we operate. So we always have a local agent on the ground that uh, represents uh, us or any of our buyers. Wow. Now, this is uh, this is amazing. You, you have found a niche here that is so unique, and um, yet at the same time, it just it seems like it's you know, <laughs> just very profitable too, um, which is great. Um, what what what's excites you about the future of your your company? I think what I'm most excited about it. I mean, it, there was a Wall Street Journal article today that came out about you know. And we're seeing this, in, you know, we went from, you know, kind of having individual people approach us to now, you know, some larger institutional names that many people on the, of your listeners would have heard of that are wanting to get into the space. So we are so excited as all of this, you know, larger kind of, you know, I think that the short term rental market is today where the long term rental market was in kind of 2009, you know, it's just not been kind of consolidated and not a lot of ton of sophistication. And so we see a tremendous opportunity uh, to, you know, the kind of soup to nuts infrastructure that we've put in place that larger institutional investors are looking for. Uh, we think this is just going to be a kind of a great couple of years to put a lot of that to work. Hmm, that's, that's great. Uh, where, where do you see the company going? Or do you have, you know, a goal for the, you know, the next 10, 20 years down the road? Yeah, we'd like to be a thousand homes by the end of this year. By the end of twenty twenty four, we'd like to be at five thousand homes, and then uh, five years from now, so kind of twenty twenty seven time frame, we'd like to be at twenty five thousand homes. God, that's amazing. <laughs> that is really great. That is awesome. 
Wow. Um, well, we're our time is zipping by here, and uh, I could I'm sure I could talk to you another couple of hours here, but uh, um, gotta respect the listeners who uh, are <laughs> expecting a, right. a, a fixed time here. But uh, we have a, a, sesh, a section we call our uh, wrap it up. And uh, in that, I ask you a series of quick questions and you share resources that have been of value to you. So if you are ready, we can go ahead and wrap it up. Okay, let's do it. Okay, favorite real estate book? Never read one. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not an, I'm, uh, that's just the honest truth. I get asked that a lot. I've, I've actually never read one. Oh my goodness. That is great. That's great. I, you know, maybe it's been an advantage for you. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about just a general business book that's been of value? And I guess this one you could, you could throw in the real estate category, but rich dad, poor dad, uh, I think it's just, you know, a great way to kind of think about the world and how you utilize your time and resources and talents. Yeah. And it's definitely mindset too. Uh, definitely. Um, how about a, a, a valuable website uh, that you use on a regular basis? It uh, works for you. Price labs, mm. uh, which is where we help helps us with a lot of our pricing. Oh, tell me about that um, for those that aren't familiar with it. So it's a series of kind of pretty complex. It's a basically you buy uh, access to a bunch of different algorithms and stuff that you can run on your pricing. It's not a set it and forget it. I mean, there's still a ton of customizations that you put into it, but it's a, a, a bunch of developers that you know have kind of done the backing coding that you can choose your you know and customizations again different for different types of homes, different types of markets, but. You know, all of that coding has been done, and you can kind of on the front end change how it's applied. Interesting. Do you buy new homes as well? I mean, brand new homes? Oh yeah, we work. We often work with builders. Wow. Like we're working with builders right now on a build to rent. You know, and we make modifications to the floor plan to you know fit the kind of unique needs of short term rentals. Hmm, that's neat. That's really neat. Um, Okay, I'm going to probably go off on another line of questioning if I get into it. Okay, uh, how about a favorite app that you use on a regular basis? Guesty is our property management software that we use uh, that kind of links everybody together in the company. And then, I don't know, that'd be, that'd be a close second with Slack, uh, which is what we use for all of our communications. We had this vendor call the other day and asked our head of communications how committed uh, we were to Slack. And she said... Four kids married 30 years and no prenup. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What a great answer. <laughs> That's how committed we are. Oh, so. my gosh. I've heard great things about Slack. Yeah, for, yeah especially yeah. for larger teams like yours. That's great. Yeah. Wow. That's funny. Um, how about a favorite quote? Love your tenants and never sell. So my one of my first bankers told me that. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, and this is uh, our sort of uh, apocalyptic question here. If you lost absolutely everything, all your assets, and all you had left was $1,000 in cash, and you had wanted to relaunch your real estate uh, business, uh, what, would you, what would you do with that $1,000? I'd go start knocking on doors at the nearest kind of recreational lake that has nice houses and putting flyers in them, asking if they want me to manage their properties. Mm, great. I wouldn't do it at the beach. Too much competition at the beach. You know, you go to Vail and whatever else, too much competition there. But lake properties, 
generate a ton of money as short-term rentals and there's unlike beach and mountain communities there's not a lot of competition for on the management side mm, that's a great great tip awesome Wow. Well, um, I'm sure there's a lot of folks listening that would like to find out more about you and what you do. Um, what's sort of the best way for people to, to do that? They can uh, go to our website, patriotfamilyhomes.com. That's patriotfamilyhomes, plural.com. And uh, there's a link there to kind of get in touch with us and, uh, you know, someone from our business development or uh, kind of uh, uh, you know, a partner engagement team would, would, would love to reach out and talk to them. Mm, fantastic. Wow. Well, uh, gosh, this has been a great, a great interview. What a fascinating business you've got and, uh, what a great job you're doing there. Congratulations to you. Um, well, we have a, a tradition here, and uh, now you're from Tennessee, you know, East Tennessee here. So uh, <laughs> you know about uh, hound dogs and stuff like that, right? That's right. <laughs> so uh, come on, you got to close this out with your best old hound dog howl. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Ow! <laughs> right. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Joe. This has uh, been fantastic. Uh, really, really good stuff. And I, I think uh, our listeners are going to really enjoy it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Bill. Well, you bet. Well, you take care. And again, thanks for your service to our country and uh, helping out all these uh, vets out there, too, uh, making, uh, making some big bucks, uh, I'm sure, <laughs> linking up with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, appreciate all your listeners for giving us the time. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Well, thank you. I also want to thank all our old dog listeners out there for joining us. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now, but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot, and we really appreciate it. Now, please note, old dog listeners, everything presented here today and everything that Joe talked about can be accessed in our detailed show notes. So there'll be a lot of detailed uh answers and also links and so forth uh, to, to some of the things that Joe talked about. So that's all accessible on our website at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog. And you're going to look for the episode that featured Joe Riley. Well, that's the show for today. Remember, cash flow is king and real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless. Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dogs REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.